You're listening to the Ruby on Rails podcast on the 5x5 Network. You're listening to episode 295 and I'm your host, Brittany Martin. I've got a pair today. Today with me, I have Bindia Marsham Amani. She is the director of engineering at RigUp. She grew up in India and came to the States to follow her dream to use programming to solve problems. In her current job, she leads four key company initiatives through three teams of engineers. Her focus is on building engineers and delivering on business goals. She enjoys watching her sons do Taekwondo on most weekday evenings and helping the elementary school when possible. Also joining me today is Andrew Derringe. Andrew began his software career creating video games for the Android platform in 2010 with the release of Flick Defense. He enrolled at the University of Texas in Austin in 2011 and was a member of the Honors Computer Science Program, Turing Scholars. In 2014, he accepted an internship at RigUp, where he also worked part-time until he graduated from UT with a Bachelor of Science in 2015. Since graduating, he has continued working at RigUp, growing with the company. His work has spanned from future development to mentorship, architectural planning, and people management. Wonderful. Thank you both so much for joining me today. Well, so I started writing code uh, when I was in sixth grade. Um, I had a choice to make between um, computer science and my uh, native language, Hindi. Um, And I was horrible at the Hindi alphabet. So computer science was actually a way out It was very similar to doing math problems. Uh, My first few programs were just adding numbers, multiplying matrices, and those were things that came very naturally to me. Um, So I started like spending more time in the computer lab and it again was a way out from the Hindi class. So definitely spend more time there. Um, Started then and then um, found myself um, just leaning towards doing more in the field um, just because I think I had a natural tendency um, of uh, doing math problems and I was good at it. Um, So I leveraged that, um, got the opportunity uh, to do my undergrad in computer science and then um, come over here uh, to the States to do research in robotics. That's awesome. Andrew, your turn. Great. Uh, So actually, when I was in sixth grade, I wanted to be a mechanical engineer. uh, And I was dead set on that until I went to high school. And I took an AP computer science class. And I kind of fell in love with programming. Um, It gave me the tools to build things without actually having to go out and buy real things. Uh, I I distinctly remember going to class and then having a history class afterwards. um, And I would have my computer science book and be reading through the course material. Uh, just loved it so much and then knew that I wanted to study that and went to the University of Texas, uh, got my degree there and started working at RigUp. And RigUp is where I first started using uh, Ruby on Rails. I had never done any web development before and the, I guess the speed that Ruby on Rails let us like get going was amazing to me at the time. Well, I absolutely want to hear more about RigUp. Can you explain what the company does, what the engineering structure looks like, anything that an insider would know about? So RigUp is the energy industry's largest marketplace. We connect operators with independent contractors, uh, and these independent contractors make up the workforce that gets the job done. Um, Historically, it's been a very pen and paper driven industry. 
uh, and the workforce des deserves a better experience, uh, all the way from being hired to getting paid. And that's really what we focus on. Um, on the other hand, all the energy companies that are hiring these people uh, need more modern technology to track what work's being done and uh, incre increase their business efficiency. Uh, in short, our goal is to empower the people who power the world. That's a very ambitious goal. So of course I have to ask, what is BreakUp's technical stack? So our technical stack is Ruby on Rails. We were on 4.2 for the longest time, and then we did a big concerted effort this year to get us up to, I believe we're at 5.2. Um, when we started out, we were using AngularJS, uh, and in the last year we've been transitioning to React. There is still AngularJS legacy code out, but everything new is being created with React. Um, and so we've been in this uh, monolith architecture for a very long time, um, and this year we've really had a lot of growth on the engineering side, and so we've started looking into doing a more service-based architecture. Uh, we actually just put up another Rails app last week to handle a service for ourselves. Um, so primarily right now, to summarize, it's a monolith with React on the front end, but we will be moving to, I guess, a more diverse uh, base, um, allowing people to choose between uh, Rails and other options, as well as if they want to continue to use React on the front end or if they want to use other front end technology. That makes a lot of sense. So I, uh, just so you know, I work on a very small engineering team. There are just two developers, but I did see that Bendia is managing three different teams. How do you divide those three teams up? Well, um, so right now we have um, nine teams. Um, the teams um, are all aligned towards company initiatives. Um, we have, as a company, identified um, areas that we want to uh, build product in. Um, so one example being Andrew's team, which is payments. Um, so we are building the payments platform. So the team is, uh, that team is focused on that. Um, most of our teams have four to six engineers. They have two product managers and a dedicated designer. Um, but again, everyone has their own KPIs and uh, th that roll up under the company's OKRs. That makes sense. So Andrew, you, uh, tell me about your move to GraphQL. What kind of design choices did you end up making? Sure. So we uh, were investigating GraphQL at the beginning of this year, uh, and we're very close. To, we actually put our first production usage out last week, same time that we were putting up that Rails 6 application. Um, there is definitely a lot more information nowadays than there used to be on kind of standards what we have gone towards is we have some standard rules for when you're querying uh, a field. Um, so if it's a string, there is a, a set of options that you can pass in. You know, does the string start with this? Does it end with this? Does it contain this? Uh, and similar rules for numbers and dates like that so that we have kind of a, a standardization that our developers can expect when they're using the API. Um, on top of that, some of the other decisions that we've made are things like a mutation should only take a single input object. Um, the reasoning behind this is it makes it easier to work with on the client uh, instead of having to pass in a bunch of different ones, uh, a bunch of different fields or arguments. Um, also, on the other hand, uh, something that we didn't do at first but we've recently discovered that's very powerful uh, also about mutations is 
the return type for a mutation, we've decided to have a specific return type for that mutation. So if it was the create user mutation, uh, it would be a create user return type. And in that type, we would nest uh, a field for user. Uh, so previously, the return type would have just been user. Um, but that kind of locks you down and gets rid of some of the freedom that uh, having a graph allows you to have. By having this custom type, we can have the user be in there and a developer can still request it back. But if down the road from now we decide that somebody else wants to return something else, they just add that as another field to that custom type without being locked in to the decision that we made today. Um, another very exciting thing that we've started to pick up here with GraphQL uh, and it's going to play very importantly into our service-based architecture is we are using Apollo's federated schema. Um, what that is is that each service can define its own schema and then uh, it's a declarative type of syntax and these sub-schemas all come together to make a final schema. Uh, an example would be uh, one service might be in charge of the user and have fields about a user and another service might have uh, be in charge of reviews and have fields about reviews. Uh, but within these schemas, they can reference and put themselves in the other one. So in the review schema, uh, it could open up, uh, for lack of a better word, the user type and say that that user has reviews, but the code about reviews stays within that review service. So, you know, kind of going back to Bendia managing multiple different teams, all with different goals, this federation allows each of those teams to focus, you know, on reviews or on payments. Uh, but have it still come together as a cohesive uh, API for our client to consume. I'd love for you to walk me through the decisions because that sounds, you have some really great ideas there. And I agree, you certainly do not want to uh, lock down your GraphQL just because that is the entire point. It should be flexible and usable by everybody in the company. I'd love for you to walk me through how you make engineering decisions at RigUp. So that sounds like it's a component that's going to end up affecting everyone. How did you uh, decide that you were going to use GraphQL? And then how did you decide you were going to do it in this innovative way? So the decision to use GraphQL uh, came from a lot of our engineers having used it previously and had a very good experience with it. Uh, also, there's a lot of uh, case studies out there, places like Shopify, uh, taking advantage of it and you know, discussing how it really changed their engineering team. Um, so that's kind of what put us down that trail. But in general, how engineering decisions are made at RigUp are uh, uh, an engineer or a couple of engineers will have an idea, something that they think will improve uh, our product or the experience that our developers will have creating the product. Uh, and they'll write up what we call a design doc. Um, these can be very complicated or they can just be general ideas that you want to share with others and solicit feedback. Um, and then from there, uh, that design doc will move on, be iterated, people express their concerns or uh, have new takes on how it should be implemented. And it'll eventually reach a consensus and it'll get rolled out. Uh, typically for these types of things, they aren't, uh, it's not like a mandate across the company that everybody has to use it. So uh, for GraphQL, uh, right now it's only being used for a couple smaller services. Uh, but kind of the idea is that if it is a better experience and it does perform well, then other teams will want to adopt it because they'll want the benefits it has. Um, I'd say that something we take very seriously here is trying to have a great developer experience because we think that's integral for people to be able to work quickly, 
uh, and be flexible with what they're doing. So I love the idea of the design docs. Is there built in time at RigUp when you're an engineer in order to work on these? Or is this something that you're sneaking in when you're maybe running your test suite? Or I, I don't know, how does that work? No, this is something that um, we have um, time allocated for. Um, this is part of your, this is a part of our engineering culture here at RigUp. Um, we always want back to our values. We always want you to be growing and um, also like teaming up. So you are working with other teams and helping unblock them. Um, and this is just one of the many things that we do here uh, and I'm very serious about. Um, so we make the time um, for you to uh, learn on the job. I love that. So speaking of loving your job, are you glad that you built Rig Up on Rails? Yes. Uh, I think that back when we made the decision, it was definitely the right decision. Um, Rails provided so much out of the box uh, back in 2014, and it provides even more now. Uh, if you want to build something quickly and iterate and kind of find really what your product should be doing, uh, I think it's definitely the right choice. Uh, and I would still continue to use it today. That's excellent. And you're on the right podcast. So, uh, <laughs> so we are going to take a quick word from our sponsor, Mirror Placement. And now for our first, today's podcast, and also believe it or not, potentially a turkey. That's right, a turkey is brought to you by Brian Mariani of Mirror Placement, the recruiting shop built by Rails engineers for Rails engineers. You heard me correctly. Brian Mariani and Mariner wants to send you a turkey this year. It's Thanksgiving season, we all have so much to be thankful for. Brian's thankful for the Ruby on Rails community in Mirror, which he found 12 Novembers ago to serve it. As a sign of gratitude, if you're a Rails developer currently in the market, a startup seeking to grow your team or just simply curious to hear about market and salary trends, Brian would love to chat with you and then send you a turkey. You can reach him at brian at mirrorplacement.com and we'll include that in the show notes. Turkeys are in limited supply, so please reach out to Brian today and drop the code word, wait for it, gobble gobble. And if you don't need a turkey, Brian still wants to talk to you and we'll send the turkey to a friend of nonprofit you're choosing. That's brian at mirrorplacement.com, code word, gobble gobble. Are there any sort of engineering practices that are specific to rig up? Yeah, so our uh, company, um, our engineering culture is built around our um, company's culture, um, around our four values that we um, have decided that every employee will live by. Um, one, one of them is positive energy. So it is more like how you are treating people, um, exceeding expectations, which is um, how do you deliver results? Um, always be growing, which is how do you how do we approach problem solving, and then uh, team up, which is how do we work together. Um, and the engineering culture in specific is very collaborative. We work together. There's lots of pair programming happening, um, but it's also like team to team. Um, so if your team um, wants to have um, like half your engineers pair with the other half and do every feature uh, development, uh, that's okay. Um, but then there are other teams that um, they divide the tickets in such small uh, chunks that the, an individual engineer can just do it. We also have um, a very um, good PR process where you have to have at least two people approve your PR and they can be 
um, in any team. They don't necessarily have to be on your team. So that's where we also um, help grow other teams and they can look at a code. Um, so definitely very collaborative here. That sounds really great. And it sounds like it's a great place to be able to develop into a more senior developer. And speaking of which, Andrew, can you offer any advice on working your way through the stages of being a developer? I was very fortunate to start out at RigUp when it was a very small company, uh, which kind of gave me the opportunity to grow with it. But there are definitely some things that kind of stand out that I think helped me become the developer I am. Um, and some of those things are like Bindia keeps talking about, uh, always growing. Um, I think always trying to learn something new and pushing the boundary of your comfort zone is incredibly important to grow as a developer uh, and just as like a, a coworker. Um, a lot of people focus on the technical skills, but I think a big part of being a senior developer also uh, includes the soft skills. How are you working with you know your immediate coworkers? How are you working with other teams? Um, how do you handle conflict resolution? Um, everybody has their opinion on how something should be done, and usually there's many many ways to do a problem. Uh, so. Sometimes the right choice is to acquiesce to a different solution because, you know, they both work. Um, so I don't know that there's any one thing that you can say makes you a senior developer since it's such a broad spectrum of things that you can work on. Um, so my advice would just be push your boundaries, try something new, uh, and then also lean on others. Um, you know, one person may be very efficient in one area, and that's a perfect opportunity for you to learn. I'm a big fan of pair programming. So I recently reviewed the results from the Stack Overflow 2019 survey and a ton of developers answered. And one of the questions that I found the most interesting is what do you plan on doing in the next five years? And a lot of developers are trying to figure that out right now. And a lot of them want to be able to reach that like senior CTO director level. So I'd love to hear advice from either one of you, uh, especially Bindia to start off with. Uh, can you offer any advice to listeners who want to reach that director level? Yes, for sure. Um, so my um, career trajectory had was, I was a software engineer um, straight out of college, um, went to, you know, like the traditional uh, junior, mid-level um, to senior, to leading a team, being the tech lead, uh, managing a project. Um, then I moved and I changed companies and I became the engineering manager and also an IC, adding um, code or writing code actively. Um, at any given time, I've always tried to look for gaps in my com uh, company or the process and added, try to add value there. Um, I think that has always helped me grow um, and push me in areas where nobody else either has shown interest or just that there wasn't enough people. Um, so that has really helped me um, in my career so far. As a director, I feel um, that, you know, it's not just being technically adept, but also like Andrew said, you have to trust the people. I'm right now um, responsible for the four initiatives um, but I'm not in their day to day. So knowing that, you know, I cannot, I cannot do PRs. I cannot um, be looking over the code every single day and still trust my team um, to deliver. Um, I rely very heavily on metrics, um, you know, just the general well-being of the teams um, is where I think my role fits in now. Um, it also, um, you know, it, 
a big part of my role is just um, um, setting the culture here at RigUp, which is more like um, hiring, expectation settings, um, building the team, um, recognizing our engineers, budgeting, performance management, all those kind of things. Um, and if you're passionate about those kind of things, you know, a director role, um, I think, encompass all of that. I think there's a lot of fear in the developer community just because uh, it tends to lend well to people who want to work on their own or pair or just really stay in code and they worry that they're not going to be able to grow in their career. And the concern is, is that if they move into a director level that they're just going to be in meetings 24-7. Do you feel that that's the way it is or are you spending more time on one-on-ones or what do you spend the majority of your day doing? Definitely not in meetings other than, yes, my one-on-ones, but that's only with my immediate managers, um, the four managers. Um, and it's every other week, so it doesn't take more than two hours of my time. Um, more of my time is spent in like projects um, and metrics and just making sure that the initiatives that the company has, um, has all the teams working on, they are successful because if they are not successful, you know, I'm not doing my job right. Um, and as for, you know, the fear in people that want to just be um, ICs and not want to go to the director route. Here at RigUp, our career ladder um, is such that you can grow just as an IC. We understand that not everyone wants to be interacting with people and uh, teams and project planning, um, and, and that's okay. You can still um, work here at RigUp and grow as an IC. Andrew is a perfect example of that. Um, we have other engineers that um, do not like management. They've tried it. We have a role for um, people who are in that in-between state. Um, we call it the technical lead manager. Uh, you're responsible for like two engineers, two to three engineers at that time. And you always have a way out. If you don't like it and you're not thriving in that role, you can go back to being just a tech lead or an IC as well. Um, so I think here our culture is such where we want you to grow. Um, but also will not um, deem you for not wanting to manage teams and people. That's amazing because you often hear large enterprise companies having that option, but I've never heard of a company that's still in the startup uh, phase being able to offer that. So that is really exciting. And I also really like the idea that you might go down one track and decide that it's not worth, not for you and that you don't have to leave rig up in order to come back to your old job or maybe take a different path. So I think that's great. So speaking of such, I have to ask, is rig up hiring? And if so, how can listeners find out more? Yes, we are um, hiring. We, we are always hiring. We um, are currently 60 engineers um, plus and are looking to double in the coming um, quarters. Um, so definitely hiring um, all our open job recs can be found on uh, rigup.com slash careers. Um, and we are constantly updating that uh, based on teams and the um, kind of roles that they have. So please keep checking us. We are um, always updating our careers page. Are you hiring for on-site or remote or both? Uh, currently, all our engineers are on-site. Um, we, however, have a very flexible um, schedule, so you can work from home to up to two days. Um, but um, yes, everyone comes to the office. Just because we are moving so fast, 
um, it the FaceTime takes away all of the discussions that we need to have and the infrastructure we need to set up for remote work. Okay, great. So listeners, if you are interested, uh, we will link in the show notes of what you can do in order to uh, talk to Vindia and Andrew or anyone else at RigUp. Definitely mention when you reach out that you listen to this podcast. Okay, so Vindia and Andrew, how can listeners follow you both? Well, you can find myself on Twitter uh, at Derenge, uh, D-E-R-E-N-G-E. Uh, and you can also find me on li- LinkedIn with the, also at Derenge. And you can find me at um, uh, on Twitter, same name, Binder uh, Romani, and then uh, on LinkedIn uh, with my first name at Bindia. Fabulous. Thank you both so much for joining me today. Listeners, I will talk to you next week.